Hello and welcome to this episode with Rebecca Clements, who is an energetic athlete and a coach with passion to help people move and eat better, live better. And she has a really joyful personality. I mean, she loves to move playfully and it also shows in how she speaks and you will for sure enjoy listening to her and her expert advice on vegan diet, on training her clients, and how also you can take those simple steps, those simple bits of advice and implement them into your life as you are making your eating better and living better. Rebecca has been a vegan for over seven years and we originally recorded this episode back in February 2019. So if you are a long-time listener, you might have heard it, but I always also love to get back to these episodes, listen to them again. And you know, the advice is timeless. So it's not like the things that we mentioned in this episode are not actual and factual anymore. So keep listening. Things that we mentioned today were like how Rebecca went to vegan diet before she was vegetarian, then she turned vegan. How the vegan diet impacted her healing injuries, her recovery, you know, also her training. She also mentions her personalized diet and she breaks down her macronutrients. You will be surprised by how much this vegan athlete really eats as a female. She also drops some knowledge bombs about how to change your eating habits step by step. She also shares an example of her high-protein breakfast and common nutrition mistakes her vegan clients make and what you can learn from them. I hope that you will enjoy this episode and if you are looking for more plant-based nutrition resources, I have put them all together in one file that you will find in the description below. And these are all the resources, including podcasts, recipes, free download guides, videos, anything and everything that will help you on your plant-based journey, especially if you are an athlete. So go there, check them out, share them with your friends, and let me know what you need. And if you need some help, feel free to reach out to me. You can send me a message directly through the email at daniel at danweiss.eu. Now, enjoy this episode. On the social media, you are also very energetic, which for me is like a sign of a good health and just being overly a very energetic person, you know, very healthy, very athletic. You do all kind of movement stuff. You are always cheerful. So maybe you'll share with us today. I hope so. Um, your secrets to being energetic, healthy and fit today. It's the vegetables. That's the secret sauce. <laughs> vegetables is the secret sauce. Yeah, it's kind of a pun. <laughs> By the way, you are on 
social media, at least on Instagram, is simply physical. And that is, uh, as I read, also your coaching philosophy. Yes, got it. Uh, so I have been moving uh, my whole life. I grew up dancing, uh, and then I found CrossFit and started weightlifting, um, and I've explored a ton of movement since then. You are right. I like to think that I have a lot of energy, and something that is so exciting to me is that I keep more and more of it. <laughs> so, you know, I think I understand health, and then I, the more you understand, the more you realize there's still so much more to learn. Um, so each time I learn more, I start to realize, wow, I can feel even better. I can have even more energy. I can help, you know, my clients solve even more issues. Uh, so I like to consider myself a forever student. So even though I'm a coach and I teach um, and I educate people, uh, I'm still always learning myself. There's always more to know. Um, if you ever think that you know it all, then we're, you're probably not in a good spot. So I like to think that um, I'm a forever student, even though. I do coach and I do train myself a lot. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So how long have you been actually moving? I, I really love that word. It's like really moving, not training. Yeah. So forever, pretty much my whole life. And I'm very fortunate that I've gotten exposure to a lot of different types of movements. So I grew up dancing. Never wanted to specialize in just one type of dance. I wanted to be good at, at all of them. Um, I loved that you could, um, for instance, in tap dancing, you could stomp on the ground and you could uh -huh. make beautiful sounds. Or ballet class, you can move slowly and you had to have perfect control through all these different ranges of motion. Um, there's lyrical where you got to make long dramatic lines or to kind of um, like counteract that was contemporary dance, which was a little bit more weird lines, kind of off the wall movements, but it still flowed um, and it kind of told a story. So I've, um, Bever, uh, it was something that I actually kind of, I enjoyed it, but it also felt necessary sometimes. So if I was having a good day, I'd want to go dance, right? And if I was having a rough day, um, I needed, I needed to dance. <laughs> so like movement was my form of expression. Um, it definitely still is. Um, I have the bias, but I really do think that all humans have an innate need for expression through movement. Um, and some of them maybe have repressed it, whether or not they realized it a little bit more than others. But um, I think we all do have that inside of us. So whether, you know, it's dancing or CrossFit or weightlifting or calisthenics or roller skating or running, you know, it, it doesn't matter as long as you find something that is a way for you to express uh, yourself through movement. I think that's, that's the missing piece of the puzzle for a lot of humans. Uh-huh. Now you made me thinking, actually, that... Like, for example, when I want to express myself by movement, I go running. And it's, now that I see it, like, going for a longer, slower run, it makes me like a boring person, right? <laughs> you just go straight in the line and run and run. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can, you can change the speed and so on. It is a different thing and play with the speed. Right. And then sometimes too, just running, even though it can be monotonous sometimes, um, it's that meditative state. So even though right. it might not feel like some crazy form of expression, it is a form of expression in the sense that it allows you just to be quiet, move your body's doing thing and your mind is just along for the ride in that moment of, you know, just nothingness. 
Yeah, right. That's true. There's a lot of meditation involved. And actually, if I listen to music, it's like it makes me run in a different ways, you know, which is not only run in a straight line, but do some, I don't know, turns and pirouettes and whatever. I mean, things like that. <laughs> so, you have had all this kind of exposure to movement. And like you mentioned, dancing, ballet, and also like uh, yeah, crossfit and different kind of movements. And how does actually diet play, or what kind of role does diet play in this? And diet, diet, I don't mean like reductionistic diet, but I mean like the way of eating. Yeah. Um. It's, it's huge. It's important. Um, so I've been just a little bit history. I have not eaten meat in well over a decade. Um, I am vegan, fully vegan. I've been, um, totally plant-based for over seven years. And before that, um, I was vegetarian for about uh -huh. six years. Um, I was the kind of vegetarian who had said, um, I'll, you know, I can't give up cheese or this or that. And um, it was just kind of excuses. I understood that meat came from animals and it didn't feel good to eat that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I never fully grasped how bad the dairy industry was, the egg industry was. Um, and then I was in college and there was one summer that I told myself, you know what? I don't want excuses anymore. I need to learn more. So I, I made a rule for myself that every morning for that entire summer, when I woke up and I ate breakfast, I needed to look up at least one research study or article on veganism or on the dairy industry or on, you know, a plant-based lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And because I was so dedicated to that regimen, and I remember each morning I would, I ate oatmeal at the time and I would eat my oats <laughs> with all my little toppings on it um, every morning and I'd enjoy my oats and uh, learn, learn about um, veganism. So like I had a, like I got a good grasp on it and I felt a lot more comfortable. So I'm um, transitioned fully into veganism and I have never looked back because uh, you get reinforced when something is going well or when you're doing right. Kept having all of these little indicators of things that were going well. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I had, I've had five knee surgeries. Um, part of it was genetics born with kind of loose ligaments um, and then dancing exploited those. So my knees had hurt all of this and getting stronger through weightlifting has helped take off the pressure of my knees because when your muscles are stronger, your joints. But when I over to full plant-based, I realized my joints felt even better. And I was like, okay, there's gotta be something to this. Um, another example um, that my partner and I had, um, he was not vegan when I met him. Um, and then he decided to go plant-based because we'd been together. CrossFit athlete he at the time. Or you made him. <laughs> um, he says, you know, I, I sort of educated him and showed him the way and it wasn't a hard decision for him or a hard transition. Um, but one of the things that he realized that this was a, a real deal, that it made sense was um, in CrossFit, a lot of the times you spend so much time on the bar. So if you're doing pull-ups or, you know, bar, deadlifts, whatever, you're holding on to bars a lot. Mm -hmm. And because of that, a lot of times your hands rip. So when you have a tear in your hand, it's kind of devastating for training because everything you do, you need to hold on. And if you're missing a chunk of skin, it's really hard to hold on. So before, if he would rip, you know, it would take him five, six, seven days for deal. And when he transitioned to fully plant-based, he started healing in just a couple of days. 
<laughs> he thought he thought this is like this is a miracle. This is so crazy. He teased me before that I would heal so fast, but then once he got to experience it for himself, um, it was a whole other ball game. So to, to, that's a long diet and nutrition. Not only helps the way you look, um, but the way you cover. When for diet and nutrition, um, it's like you're wearing these sunglasses, and you think for what it is. And then once you take the sunglasses off, you realize, wow, the world is even brighter. And that goes with nutrition. I've had some of my clients who once you transitioned them to plant-based, all of a sudden someone who's their whole life has been saying, I don't really have a good sense of smell. All of a sudden they can smell more. And they tell me these stories of, I was walking to work today and I smelled all the bushes and I've never smelled them before. Or, you know, the person in my cubicle next to me like smelled really good and I could recognize their um, lotion that they had on and I've never ever smelled someone's lotion before. So it's all these, these little things, these health indicators that we, we don't always recognize until, until we do. <laughs> so I, I've got the awesome job of being able to show um, people, help them remove those glasses and kind of experience life in a little bit more HD. Mm -hmm. And that's very interesting, especially when you speak about this recovery and uh, yeah, because I get asked often like, uh, if I notice like better recovery since I started with a vegan diet, but I mean like uh, I cannot say I cannot quantify it. But now that you mentioned the example with your uh, partner with your boyfriend, it's like something that is quantified, right? I mean, it shortened the duration his skin needed to heal. So I'm really glad to hear that. Right. And. So you were basically vegetarian, then you turned vegan because of, of your studies, of what you learned. And it improved your life, it improved your energy. And like you said, the vegetables are the secret sauce. <laughs> so where, where do you get your protein from? Do you focus specifically on protein, especially because you are like, I would say strength athlete, but you also need to get probably a lot of carbohydrates in your diet because you do a lot of like high intensity workouts, I guess. Yeah. So um, a disclaimer, I'm going to talk for a second about what I do um, for myself, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone listening should go out and do the same thing. Yeah, uh, That's exactly. part of like what I do. With, yeah. With personalized nutrition is that it really depends on not only who you are in your history, but you know, what your goals are, how you respond to certain things. So, um, the way I do things, I don't recommend necessarily for everyone, but a little bit about what I do. Um, I eat a lot. <laughs> so I train frequently. I'm trying to be obviously a competitive athlete. So I need just a lot of fuel in general. Um, and I burn it quickly. So I'll, I usually eat about 2,800 to 3000 calories a day. Um, anywhere between 150 to maybe 180 grams of protein. Uh, carbs can fluctuate. They're right now about you know 300 to about maybe 400 at the like a really higher day, um, and then fat can kind of range. Usually, it's around 80 grams or so. Um, that's just where I'm at right now. Um, so I do track my food. I have a lot of my own clients uh, do um, track their macros. Not in the sense that I don't want people to get intimidated by tracking macros, but all of my clients and myself use it as a tool. Uh, to get a better understanding 
of how, what, like how much you're eating, how pairing certain foods has what in them. You know, it's all just a tools to continue to help us uh, grasp right. a little bit better on what those are. Yeah. I think that is very important because uh, when I work with my clients and for example with women and people on plant-based diets, it's like typical that they get a lot of carbohydrates but not necessarily enough protein in their diet, you know, because they have like, especially women, like salad with uh, rice and I mean it's like purely carbohydrate-based meal and uh, they have these kinds of meals all the time. And if someone were to come to me like that, um, the way I work is I want everything to be a habit. So if your lunch every day for the last, you know, three months, three years, three decades has always been, for example, a salad and rice, um, I'm going to say, hey, keep doing that. That's great. I also want you to add into this meal like a half a cup of garbanzo so beans or a half a cup of lentils on top, um, something yeah. like that, where it gives them a tangible step to pair something that they're already doing well, that's already an ingrained habit and how to upgrade that just a little bit so they can feel incredibly comfortable with that upgrade. Boom. They just added in 10 more grams of protein. Okay. Now we're going to, you feel comfortable with what you're eating now. Okay. We're going to sprinkle a little bit of hemp hearts, you know, on top of that. Um, and now you have 15 grams of protein added on or 20 grams in that meal, whatever it is. Uh, so I think that it's really important to get protein for everyone, regardless of what diet you're, you are on. Um, protein is necessary for all of sorts of physiological functions. Um, but that being said, protein doesn't have to look like a dead animal on a plate. <laughs> protein can look like legumes and lentils and, um, like tempeh, tempeh is a good source, or edamame. Um, edamame is something that's easy to put on everything. <laughs> I actually just had it in my breakfast this morning. Um, oh, so here's an example of a good a protein-dense breakfast. Um, yeah, I had mixed vegetables, <laughs> carrot spirals. I like, I love those noodles that, um, you, it's just like a vegetable. And it can be a noodle, like zucchini noodles or beet noodles, uh, that kind of stuff. I had some carrot noodles. Uh, edamame, lettuce. Uh, nutritional yeast, which has a lot of uh, micros and it tastes really good. Uh, and then I actually had um, two like vegan patties. So there are a lot of vegan quote unquote meats that I recommend and, and that, are, that are good for people. Um, the thing is, is that there are still a lot of plant-based meats on the market that are kind of junk food-ish. So yeah. I, I do totally recommend, you know, if you're going to try to decide between, ooh, should I have this uh, like dead cow or should I have this vegan packaged processed food? I do recommend the plant-based one overall. Um, but then once you get even more comfortable with that, you can get more selective and try to avoid the ones with any bad oils like canola oil or vegetable or hydrogenated oils. Um, and instead opt for the ones that are coming from like cleaner sourced oils, like maybe coconut or avocado or, you know, like flaxseed. Uh, so even within the vegan community, just because something is vegan does not necessarily mean it's healthy. Um, so it's, it's kind of a delicate balance that, um, takes a little bit of education and time, but once you just like anything put in the time and you start to learn more, it becomes second nature and they're no longer, you know, I, my goal with all of my clients, for instance, is to get it. So they're no longer thinking, Oh shoot, how do I get more protein in today? They're thinking, boom, I know I hit all my protein goals. <laughs> what else can I go crush in my life? <laughs> yeah, that's great. 
So basically what do you see is like a common mistake that people coming to vegan lifestyle, like maybe from your clients or do all, do all your clients are vegans or not necessarily? Yeah, no, not necessarily. Um, I'm actually really fortunate that I get to work with a lot of different people. So I've had people come to me who are already vegan. Um, I have a kind of a niche of people who want to transition and I mm-hmm. can help them through that. And then I've also worked with people who told me straight up on the first day, I do not intend to go vegan. I want to hear what you have to say, but please know I don't, I don't intend to go vegan. And what's funny is over time, we still typically end up taking away the dairy, taking away, you know, the cheese, the half and half coffee creamer, all of those little things. And then once people start to feel better, and they always do, then they start thinking, okay, maybe this isn't so hard. Maybe I can give up you know, my bacon and eggs in the morning for a delicious tofu scramble, you know, <laughs> it's just education. It's That's doable. Perfect. It really is. So how do you actually turn them uh, into, let's say more like vegan lifestyle when you speak about it? Uh, for example, that they reduce or completely remove dairy from their life cheese, because cheese is very, um, uh, problematic, I would say, right? Yes. And I have, without a single exception, it is foolproof. Every client I've ever had where I've taken away dairy, they've improved somehow. Um, whether that's they're less bloated, they don't have as much gas after a meal, um, they, they feel better, they're less droggy throughout the day. I have, without hesitation, every single person that we've removed that, they feel better. I've never had someone who said, oh, I took out, you know, eggs from my lunch, um, the deviled eggs I would have every day. And I, I feel worse. Instead, they're saying, wow, I feel really good. What else can I do? Um, and to not overwhelm people, I don't ever use the words. Well, very rarely would I say, don't eat this or don't do that. Instead, my language around it is, why don't you consider adding in this instead? Or here's an easy upgrade we could do. Let's swap out this half and half creamer you put in your coffee in the morning. And here's four different links to different non-dairy creamers that you could try. And then over time, you know, we might even try to get them down to where they just drink black coffee. Uh, So you're still kind of getting some of the good benefits of coffee without any additives or preservatives at all. Um, But it's a process and it's important to meet individuals where they are at and give tangible steps. You know, if I were to show up on your door and say, hey, my car just broke down. I'm going to need you to rebuild me a car. You're going to say, what? But if I say, hey, my my car just broke down. Um, Do you have a phone I could borrow or maybe, you know, a spare tire laying around somewhere? Then you're like, okay, yes, you can grasp it and you can start making some changes. Yeah, yeah, it was like a step-by-step process, not like, hello, do you have time to speak about vegan lifestyle? (laughs) (laughs) So something like that. And so... Is there anything like specific uh, regarding the diet that you focus on with clients regarding, well, regarding the vegan diet? Uh, I guess it, it just depends on the person. Uh-huh. Uh, so some people, if they are already vegan, um, we just work on cleaning up their sources. Uh, we work on getting more to like whole food uh, based. Um, and then of course, a lot of it's lifestyle. So someone who, for instance, I have a couple of people who work shifts. If you work shifts, so a couple of nights a week, you're staying up all night long, 
um, your nutrition is going to look a little different than, you know, another client who is a school nurse and regimented and has the same schedule every single day. Uh, so not only is it about the food, but it's the way um, it's almost called, it's called food hygiene, like all, everything around the food. Um, so are you, um, when is your first meal of the day? Do we time your meals based on when your training session is or, um, there, there's, there's so many variables. Um, and something else to related, uh, nutrition wise is, um, like feeding windows. So an example of a shift worker, someone who works shifts might benefit really well from doing something like a 10 to 12 hour eating window. So I use the word eating window instead of fasting. Um, you, you are essentially fasting, but instead of us focusing on a fast, which is where you're not eating or drinking anything, um, sometimes drinking, depending on what kind of quote unquote fast you're doing, uh, but we'll focus instead on what you can do. So the eating window. So for instance, you, you work 12 p.m. midnight until 12 um, in the afternoon the next day every day. We might have you fast, you know, for 10 to 12 hours. And on that other time remaining, that's the window you eat. Um, so your body does have time to recover, um, let all the food come out of its system so it can start doing like cell repair. Uh, so there's all sorts of different little things within nutrition. So sometimes it's easy for us to get hung up on just the food. But bringing awareness to everything around the food is important too. Uh, one more example is like breathing. So taking some really slow, calm breaths before and after every meal helps put your body in the correct system, the rest or digest system, instead of the like fight or flight um, response. So you're going to digest more. Um, another example of a food hygiene would be limiting screen time. So if you're on your, you have a lunch break, you have a 30 minute lunch break. Instead of grabbing your phone and your meal and scarfing down your meal in one hand while you have your phone and you're scrolling through Instagram on the other hand, uh, it's putting the phone down, taking some breaths, putting one bite of food in your mouth, chewing it for 25 to 30 chews per bite. So the more you, know, the more you break it down in your mouth, the easier it is for your body to break it down and the more digestion can occur and the more you're going to absorb. So you'll get more of the good just by slowing down, chewing your food. I always recommend like having a conversation with a friend or, you know, looking out into the distance and taking your lunch outside and being in the sunshine. And there's oh, uh, all of these around food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. The, basically, like mentioned, taking time and uh, especially uh, I used to really eat fast and uh, if I had like 10 minutes, you know, just crushed the food and now I really enjoy eating it slowly and taking my time. And I bet you notice the difference too. It feels better. Yeah, it feels much better. It's, it's like meditative for me, really like a guided meditation with food. <laughs> So thank you for sharing this. And what about, what do you think is also like a common mistakes when it comes to fitness? Because now it's probably a little bit about diet or about the nutrition way of eating. Now let's speak a little bit more about the fitness. Like uh, what do you, what kind of challenges do your clients usually face with? I think the biggest um, clients and just people in general face 
is not having support. So people inherently understand the idea of it's good for me to work out. It's good for me to eat vegetables and drink water, but it's, it's easier said than It sounds so simple, but it's when you're all day long and it's a fast paced office and you didn't bring a water bottle that day and there's no drinking fountain around. And all of a sudden you look at the clock and it's 4 PM and you only had that glass of water from this morning. Um, it's your environment and the way you set up your environment hasn't set you up for success to make sure you're drinking enough water or for working out. For instance, we all understand we should, but that doesn't mean we've set up our schedule in a way where we get to the gym before work to make sure we get in our 30 or 45 minute, whatever it is session or, um, finding something that works for you. So doing curls and squats um, and that's the case, doing jujitsu, learning a new sport, or taking pole dancing. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways. So, uh, have a lifestyle that supports what you're trying to do um, is huge. So, example, um, or something that I think is kind of a misconception is that people think you need to work out all the time to get rapid further from the truth. Uh, here's a good example. The gentleman that I'm working with, I've been fortunate enough to work with him for a few years now, and he is the fittest he's ever been in his entire life at 50 years old. On his 50th birthday, <laughs> he told me, I feel better. I am fitter. I have hit milestones that I never thought I would hit, and I'm working out less than he ever has in his whole life. And it's not because he was working out less or more. It's because he was working out smarter. And we had a plan that made sense for what he was doing. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, right? Yes, and sometimes I think that we, it's kind of mindset, right? That uh, we think that more is better. And sometimes it's just like, you know, it's not true. So I think it also applies to longevity in the fitness, right? Because some people just go head in. They start working out a lot, and then they cannot sustain it. Right. So I think like uh, the good or smart way, like you mentioned, to actually work out or how to work out or, or include that into your life, lifestyle is to actually uh, make new plans mentioned. Or make jiu-jitsu if you like it. Maybe go running. Maybe do something different. You don't necessarily need to go to the crossfit gym or whatever. But all these things, when you when they compound together, it's like they make a huge difference. Yeah. So that, that's it. So what do you think is the like the thing that brings the most results to your clients? when they are connected to the process. So an example of that uh, would be, uh, for instance, yesterday, one of the clients that I'm fortunate to work with, uh, we've been working together for a few years, she just retested um, her body composition. Mm-hmm. So she was down 3% in body fat within the two months, and we've had her for years. Um, and her, her lean mass stayed the same, but all of her lifts are going up. She's getting faster. She's recovering better. This is 
the leanest she's ever been in her whole life. And it took us three years of working together. Um, and we're still seeing incremental gains. So you don't see me on social media or on my website. I don't typically or ever post drastic before and after photos. Um, I could. It could be really simple for me to get clients, drastically reduce their caloric intake, give them a few swaps and really hard workouts. They're going to adapt. Their bodies are going to change drastically. And then I could post a side-by-side photo of a four to six week transformation coach I am. But I don't mean that because I know that that isn't going to be as sustainable as if I have someone been working with for three years who is still seeing incremental gains. That's what I want. So when I start with people, I tell them, yes, we are here to try to make you feel better today and tomorrow, but everything we do together has in mind the five-year, the 10-year, the 20, 30-year approach too. Um, I don't want to just take your calories away. In fact, another little uh, side tangent about nutrition Never once, I mean, maybe, I mean, so rarely, I don't even remember, have I had a client come to me where they're overeating. What it typically is, is people are either aren't eating the right things or they're not eating enough. So it's scary at first. Yeah. (laughs) It's scary at first for people, especially, you know, like women, a lot of times in our society, we have been taught that you need to not eat a lot, but um, men as well. But when I get someone who's not eating enough. It's hard at first for people to be receptive to hearing, hey, I know you want to lose weight and the secret to you losing this extra fat by eating more. <laughs> that kind of sounds so, so contradictory to what we've been saying, but it works. But sometimes it takes time. So it might take, you know, instead of four weeks of a drastic weight loss, I'm increasing someone's calories. It might take them four weeks just to maintain a stable body weight and have their hormones start to regulate and to start to undo the damage that they have done for years and years and years. Uh, So we have that process in mind. You know, someone might not see any changes in their weight at all for a month or two, but they're sleeping better. They actually have more of a sex drive. They get home and they want to have sex with their partner. They're, you know, their hormones are changing and they're having physiological changes but they might look down on a scale and still see the same weight. I still know that we're on a good track for long-term success because we look at that are way more in depth and broad than just weight or how you look in the mirror. Exactly. I really love that. And this is also what I face a lot, especially with women, like you mentioned. Like when I see what they are eating, what they eat, it's like scary. I mean, they eat healthy foods, like for example, salad with chickpeas, but the portion size is like, I mean, that would not be even one bite, what I would consider one bite. <laughs> right. So. I never like to compare people, but sometimes I have to, I'll actually... Um, when I'm working with clients, I like to keep it centered around them and not talk a lot about myself, but there are yeah. certain times that I have to say, hey, for reference, I am five foot, six inches tall. I know I think you're in a different metric system than I am, but I weigh about, you know, anywhere between 145 to 150 pounds. I eat 3000 calories a day. You're eating about 1200 calories a day. 
you know, you're taller than me, you're whatever it is. And I, I it's not about comparing, but it's to give them a frame of reference exactly. of you can really lean and feel really good while eating more. Yes, and they feel better. They that they want to also move often. Like they want to move more, they want to exercise, they do better choices nutritionally and also when it comes to their habits and movement and all these positive changes that are accompanied the changing just by increasing the amount of good calories. And it's important too to take into consideration that a lot of people um we have psychological things around food, right? And, you know, maybe when you were a kid in the lunchroom, someone embarrassed you and you got afraid to eat or maybe not even like something um, as like scarring as that, but it can look like a different, like different ways or mm-hmm. yeah. um, some other, like at older generations, they were raised uh, to be told that if there's food on your plate, you have to finish it, right? We don't, we don't want to waste anything. But that, those kind of psychological um, like pairings with food can have a long, a long lasting effect. So you might be full already, you know, you're eating a meal and you then eating slowly and chewing your food and that allows you to feel your fullness sooner. Um, if you feel full, you have a healthy method around food, you're able to stop. You're able to go, you know, put your extras in the fridge or, you know, give them to your friend or whatever it is. But if you don't have a really healthy relationship with food, you might feel that fullness and continue to eat, right? You have, whether or not you recognize it, you might have something in your mind saying, no, you need to finish all of this food that you put out here. Uh, And there's, there's a lot of studies on even like a plate size affects how much food you put on and how much you overeat or don't eat. Uh, But the, the point of this like little side tangent is that uh, there's psychology behind it too. So within my own clients. I want everyone, when they stop working with me and they go out into the real world uh, without any accountability, I want them to have courage. I want them to be able to know that they can walk into a social situation like a work party where everyone's drinking and encouraging them to drink, but they understand alcohol isn't one of the things that fits in with what their lifestyle and goals are. Um, I want them to have confidence to say, Hey, thank you. I appreciate your offer, but no, thank you. I'm going to skip on this glass of wine or, you know, maybe someone who wants to, who does want to indulge a little bit might say, okay, I I will like a little glass. Thank you. Um, And then that's it, you know, so they understand how they need to show up in a situation and how they want to and how to respond accordingly without any of those little psychological um, setbacks in their head. We want to get rid of all of those. Uh, uh, you know, a work party is actually a good example. I have quite a few people who on their quote unquote bad nutrition days, it's because they're with a bunch of other people who are engaging in food behaviors that they don't typically indulge in. Um, and then they, they feel it's like that FOMO, that fear of missing out, like I have to, or that, you know, that societal pressure. Um, I want to instill so much confidence in my clients that they can walk into the world's biggest candy shop and think, I don't even want this candy. I'm going to drink on my, you know, water bottle that I pre-packed. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually, uh, there is a book on intuitive eating or, uh, oh, there are more than one book, but I don't remember which one it was, but, uh, based on research, what they cited or 
made as I'm sorry, as an example, was that if you forbid somebody to eat something, so for example, chocolate, you forbid to eat them chocolate, well, what they will crave is chocolate. But if you allow them to eat it, I mean, they will automatically reduce the intake of chocolate like over time. So maybe they will crave it for a few days, but if they have it or they have this approval or, um, you know, I can eat it whenever I want. So therefore, I don't desire it as much. Yes. So uh, to play off of that example, um, ice cream. You hear everyone say, oh, I love ice cream. Okay. So instead of having a pint of Ben and Jerry's where it's like 40 grams of sugar per serving, um, if I see a client and they send me their food log and I were to see something like that, instead of me saying, oh my God, you have way too much sugar. Don't eat this. Instead, I say, hey, here's an easy swap idea. What if instead of ice cream, next time you make your own nice cream? And I yeah, teach them how you can you know, <laughs> bananas or papayas. And then um, you blend them up with a little bit of plant milk and some cocoa powder. If you want a chocolate flavor or maybe a little bit of uh, drops of vanilla, if you want to taste more vanilla-y. Um, and then we teach ways that you can still have the, the fun item. You know, that's another thing. So psychologically, sometimes food is fun. And it's a connection piece. You know, you go out to eat for dinner with a new date or someone you love, or, you know, you go get ice cream with your friends um, after a big test or whatever it is. Um, I want to teach people how you can do all of those things just with a healthier option where you're putting in your mouth. So healthy swaps that is very important. I, I think that's a very good point of view. Uh, mentioned. So one is ice cream. Do you have any other different popular swaps? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> one of most favorite recipes that I give to people, it's called a three ingredient cookie. So instead of like, um, a lot of times I have people who work in offices and people bring in treats and all of these things that are not healthy. So instead, um, I offer the suggestion of this cookie. And what is in this quote unquote cookie is it's banana, oats, and cocoa powder. And mm -hmm. that's it. So you take those three ingredients, you smush them all up together. You just put them in little balls or cookie shapes on a pan, throw them in the oven until they're cooked as much as you want them to be cooked. Um, and then that's it. And it tastes just like a cookie. And what's cool is once you stop eating as much processed sugars and you start cleaning up your diet and your hormones start to rebalance and your mind is more clear because your gut health is better. Once all of those things start to align, having like sitting down to a, a cookie from the grocery store that has a, like um, a cup of sugar in it, it doesn't even taste good. It doesn't feel good. Um, once your system starts getting cleaner, you stop craving all of those things. Once you're putting in more real plants and whole foods, your gut microbiome starts to get more balanced. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners on here are health conscious and they understand like the mind-gut connection. Um, we're still as a society learning a lot more about the science behind that. But we do understand right now that what we eat is affecting our gut microbiome, which affects our mental clarity. So you have people um, who, for instance, you drink 
multiple cups of coffee a day or those energy drinks or whatever it is. You have a lot of caffeine. Well, you're, the real reason you're reaching for caffeine is not because you didn't sleep enough that night necessarily, but because your balance is off and your brain feels foggy, which makes you feel tired. And it's generally due to diet. Um, and if we clean up your system, you're not going to need to grab a second cup of caffeine. You're not going to want to have um, all the cookies that so-and-so brought into the office. Yeah. You're going to really feel good with what you're eating and be really confident to stay on that track. And that's actually what one of my clients commented recently that uh, as, we are, uh, as we are cleaning up her diet, uh, as a side effect, she's drinking less coffee because she doesn't need that energy or yes. kind of peak from caffeine, right? So that's, uh, I, I was even surprised. <laughs> so we already mentioned, is that also your favorite food, by the way, that cookie or ice cream, or do you have a different favorite food? My favorite food would probably be so I have the palate of like a toddler. I love simple foods by themselves. Um, so if I really had to pick a favorite food, it would probably be a banana and peanut butter. Uh -huh. <laughs> Super simple, but I, I could eat that. I do eat that every day and I have never gotten sick of it. <laughs> so I'm not really a junk food person. Um, I'm, I don't feel good with sugar. I know it doesn't serve me. Um, so I stick to, um, a lot more whole food, whole foods in general. Yeah. And, uh, regarding that, I actually, oh, I think it was last week or maybe yes. Yes. Last week I had a vegan burger, which was really amazing, tasty, but like one hour after the burger, I crashed, I crashed like I haven't in a long time. And yeah, I mean that's kind of experience that makes me go stay away from junk food and stick with my whole food approach. I really love it. I mean, it's, that's a very big difference. So I can only imagine like with people who constantly junk food or not so high quality food experience, you know. Because your system is so clean, you're able to recognize that. What's a big issue is a lot of people um, don't, recognize the impact food has on them. So if someone else who eats refined sugar on a regular basis, if they eat a meal and they don't feel good an hour later, they don't have necessarily the same ability like you do and like we do uh, to pair the fact of not feeling well an hour later, tying that into the meal they had an hour prior. Instead, they might think, oh, I'm just stressed or I'm tired from work or I always, I always feel this way from my food. Um, it's almost like you earn the right to feel and understand those differences, the cleaner and cleaner you get your diet to be. Right. That's a perfect notion. And also I think that, you know, once or when you are eating a certain way, it becomes your normal, right? So you, this is your normal state and you don't think that I might feel better and uh, you start troubleshooting it only if it gets worse. So, <laughs> so instead... Right, so I, this reminds me of another example. So uh, thinking about cleaning up diet, sugar, obviously 
is huge. Sugar is um, detrimental as it really is. We have a culture based around sugar. Um, and this does not mean sugars from natural foods like sweet potato or berries. We're not talking about those kind of sugars. Those digest differently because there's sugar nutrients and all the good stuff. Yeah, it's I'm referring to uh, refined sugars, right? It's those instant sugars, the um, even agave or honey, all these things. Your your body still processes it that um, the same way. So the example, um, sugary coffee drinks. We, for instance, in the U.S. here, Starbucks is everywhere, and there's all sorts of frappuccinos and mochas and all this stuff. Um, I had a nutrition client come to me one time. And she said that <laughs> I will do everything you say, except I am not going to give up my morning mocha from Starbucks. <laughs> so of course, what I hear is I have an attachment or an addiction to the sugary drink and I want to improve, but I don't want to give up this comfort. So instead of me saying, well, no, actually you do need to give that up. Instead, the first week of working together, I said, all this week, I want you to do, the only thing you're going to change in your diet is you're going to order your mocha without whipped cream on top. Do you think you could do that? And she said, well, yeah, like, yeah I could do that. But like, that, that's, that's manageable. So she did. And then once you get used to the delicious flavor without the whipped cream, okay, great. Now what I'm going to have you do is when you order, if it usually comes with three pumps of the syrup, I'm going to have you only ask for two. Okay, that's doable. It still tastes good. You're starting to uh, get accustomed to having a little bit less sugar. You're breaking that addiction. Okay, then the next week, let's take out one more pump. The week after that, let's ask for soy milk or almond milk instead of the whole milk or the dairy cow milk. Um, and then you know, before you know it, it's a month or two later, and you have someone who's enjoying black coffee. What? This is someone who said, I will never give this up. But instead of just taking it away in that like child mentality where you just can't and their pacifier is gone or their bottle's gone and they're sad and they're crying. Instead, I took the pacifier away and I gave them a little bit something else. And then eventually we kind of pulled that away and gave them something even better. Uh, so that the habitual progressive steps, whether it is breaking a sugar addiction or whether it is just having a better mindset around food or slowing down. It's giving yourself those incremental habits that you know you feel good with and mass them. Yeah, and that's perfect. So like building all the habits on what is already working for a client or the person. And so, yeah, making small changes. And that's a way how to make a sustainable lifestyle change, right? Mm -hmm. So, what about the, the, when we speak about the workouts? What, what is your favorite workout right now? Ooh. Um, <laughs> so my, my, my own personal workouts, um, right now I train twice a day. One session is an Olympic weightlifting session. And then the other session is more like um, bodybuilding or a little bit of skit, kind of a little bit more intensity type work. Um, and what I've been loving the most lately besides those, because I love lifting, um, is that when I get done, if I have time and I feel really good, I've been playing with some calisthenic stuff. 
So like yesterday, um, I stayed after my workout and for probably 20 minutes, I worked on flagpoles. And if um, anyone listening doesn't know what a flagpole is, it's where you grab onto something. You can actually think about like if you saw a stop sign and you grabbed onto the, the pole underneath the sign and then you lifted body up so you're perfectly straight and perpendicular or parallel with the ground. Um, and it's, it's a body weight exercise where you're literally holding your body straight and sideways. Uh, so those things for me personally right now have been a lot of fun because I enjoy being able to control my body through different ranges of motion. Um, another example, I've been doing aerial yoga. <laughs> if anyone's not familiar with aerial yoga, yoga um, in a hammock. So it's uh, like these silks and you can get inside of it. You can flip upside down and do inversions. Uh, so right now for me personally, what I'm enjoying the most is exploring different movements and giving myself um, like body weight challenges that um, are sort of higher level gymnastics type stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love this because it's like, uh, I think it comes to like reconnecting with your dancing history, right? Because this aerial yoga is kind of dance in the air. Yes, and it's play. So I talk a lot about, a lot about play. Uh, so something that if I ever start to feel like off or I catch myself being overly self-critical or stressed out, I know that I need more play. And to me personally, play is those things. It's movement um, outside of the gym. It can be things like being outside and playing with my dogs, uh, having good conversations with a stranger or someone in line somewhere. Um, to me, all of those moments are like that creativeness, that play. Um, to other people, that could be something like listening to music or tending to a garden or riding dirt bikes. You know, play is different to everyone. Uh, but there's one thing that we all have in common is that we need it. We all need that play. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like this uh, pyramid chart. And the bottom, the main part of the chart is uh, the basic physiological needs. So once those are met, things like your food, your water, your fuel, everything um, you need to survive, once all those needs are met, on top of that, our next needs that we need are things like self-fulfillment um, and creative, the creative activities, creative outlets. So even if you're not someone who wants to be a professional bodybuilder or someone who wants to be able to snatch their body weight overhead in a smooth movement, that's okay. Uh, you can still explore movement and fitness and get fitter and healthier and feel good just through play, through exploring new things, creative, um, creative outlets. So Regardless if you're in the gym, um, and I'm so excited for us to talk more, but if I could leave the listeners with one piece of advice, it would be to play. Figure out what that looks like to you and do it often and come back to it every time you start to feel off or if you're stressed or, you know, fighting with your spouse or your boss at work is like getting on your nerves. Uh, go just be you. Go do something uh, creative. And if that looks like movement, great. If it looks like something else, that's great too. Yeah, you don't see me, but I've been smiling all the time as you're mentioning all these things because uh, I really love, or what I really love about coaching is how 
um, these things or areas of life transcend, right? Because we cannot only speak about nutrition, only about movement, only about, I don't know, workouts, but all these things uh, are interconnected and one area uh, overreaches to another, like social life also mixed in together. And yeah, at least that's the way how I see it. And I'm sure you know as a coach, sometimes we get in coach mode where we want to tell the person everything, how to do it, what to do it, when to do it. Um, but what really good coaches start to recognize is that it's a balance. It's a balance between educating them so the people begin to learn how to do things themselves, um, but then giving a bit of structure and then also giving them the play. So if I, my Instagram handle, is at simply underscore whimsical. Mm -hmm. So simply, in, in my philosophy, simply is the structure. It is those, um, the habits that you have that set you up for success every day. It's, you know, stretching, drinking enough water, eating those vegetables. Um, and then the whimsical is the plus. That's the, the self-expression, the fun, the, the heart that goes behind what you do. Um, so you need to have both of those. And in my own coaching, uh, sometimes, even though all of my clients have like a structural progression that they're working on based on their needs, I schedule in play. So when you're working with adults who have 50 to 60 hour work weeks and three kids at home and, you know, all of these responsibilities and you're adding all this stuff, very frequently, they don't go out and play on their own. So with my clients, I schedule in play for them. That could be something like every week or every other week, for instance, they have a day that's a free day. And during the free day, their homework is to either go do a new class, learn a movement they've never done, dance with their spouse, go hiking with their children, you know, whatever that means to them uh, based on who they are. But it is important if you don't already do things on a regular basis that bring you joy and give you a creative outlet, schedule it in. Whether or not you work with a coach, it could be something like giving yourself every Saturday morning from 8 a.m. to noon, everybody knows you're unreachable and you get that time to go do what you want to do. Whether that's go explore a new hike, uh, a hiking trail, or that could be walking around the block with your dogs and stopping to smell all the flowers, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, it's, it's important that if you don't play on a regular basis to schedule it in, to make sure it happens. Yeah, I love it. And for example, you can, for somebody who is really like very stressed and has a lot of, um, not a lot of time, it can be early in the morning. Well, typically this is what works for a lot of people that I found. One more tip just like that is breathing. So meditation, everyone, meditation is another one of those things that everyone realizes they could benefit from. We hear about it all of the time, but it's almost mean general population to think, you want me to sit down and do nothing for 20 to 30 minutes and close my eyes and breathe? Hell no. You know, like, it can sound intimidating, but... Uh, you just have to work it in for how it works for you. So a little hack that I like to recommend uh, to people is instead of, if you're not comfortable just sitting down and meditating, a more tangible step is 
I give people the homework of I want you to accumulate 100 mindful breaths every day. That could look like 10 sets of 10. So throughout the day, anytime you think about your breathing, you stop and give yourself 10 slow, mindful breaths. And even if you just did that 10 times throughout the day and you accumulate 100 slow, mindful breaths, we breathe on average in tens of thousands of times a day. But at least today, you took the time to slow down and to be mindful and effortful and conscious of your breathing a hundred different times. That's powerful. That allows you to gain some momentum. Wow, for the last three, four weeks, I have been doing hundred mind breaths a day. This is so great. Maybe I could sit down for five minutes and close my eyes and breathe and I would be okay. And then maybe they'll try that. Boom. Wow. I felt great. I had some clarity come to me during my time there and I feel more relaxed. I showed up as a better friend. I showed up as a better coworker, whatever it is, because you've had those moments to settle down. Then maybe that same person the next day might try seven minutes or maybe move up to 10 minutes, whatever it is. So building that momentum is huge. So another tip is that if you are someone who struggles to breathe and slow down, sneak it in, do 10 sets of 10 slow breaths throughout the day. That could be sitting at a stoplight. It could be waiting in line in the morning. You're switching over a load of laundry. It doesn't matter. Uh, slow down and breathe. <laughs> yeah, I love that because as you mentioned, I think in the beginning of the podcast episode was that uh, like playfulness or also meditation can have different forms. For example, for me, it might be running, but I also really find it very meditative to prepare food, you know, cutting uh, vegetables and really making food prep. It's like very meditative state of mind for me. And yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm just sitting and doing nothing. So, um, I really appreciate your time and all the tips that you shared with us today. I mean, they are very, very practical tips and based on how you are speaking, uh, I see that how your experience is, how a good coach you are. So once more, thank you very much for joining me today. And if there is anything you would like to add that we haven't mentioned yet, I think now it's the best time. Yeah, well, um, two things. One, thank you for having me on. I know this is the first time we've talked in person, but you and I have had conversation back and forth um, online. So I feel like we're already friends. <laughs> I feel like I've known you for a while, which I really do appreciate. Um, the last thing I would like um, to say, you are not alone. So even though sometimes things might feel really tough or you might not feel like you have support, there are people out there who want the same things you do and who are willing to help you get there. So um, you're never alone. There's always something you can do and it is up to you to make those little magic step steps happen. Yes, for example, you can reach out to Rebecca at <laughs> rconlinecoaching.com. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Or on Instagram. Yep, at simply underscore whimsical. Yeah, and I will make sure to put these links also in the show notes. 
where you can just easily find them and we'll be linked to them. And by the way, there's one more thing. I noticed you have an ebook that's vegans. Yes, that link is on the website. Um, so anyone who wants to go on rconlinecoaching.com and click on the shop button, um, that is a vegan ebook that my sister and I, who she's also plant-based, have um, we spent about almost a year working on it. It has a lot of tips and tricks and just good general resources for anyone who is either already plant-based or who knows nothing about it and wants a good, just sort of comprehensive guide uh, to understand more. So it, it makes things a little bit more approachable and uh, it's definitely a good resource. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. So all the guys, thank you for listening. Rebecca, once more, thank you for joining us, sharing your experience and all the energy and your secret sauce. <laughs> yes, eat your veggies. That's it. That's the secret. Yeah. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And before you leave, it would be awesome if you could leave rating and a review on the platform or an application that you use for listening. It will help me greatly to bring new guests and discuss topics you are interested in. By the way, check the show notes for important links, maybe that we discussed during the episode and all the other, and subscribe to Health, Energy, and Performance newsletter, where I share at least one tip about nutrition, training, and mindset that will help you reach your health and fitness goals easily. I would also like to invite you to have a strategy call with me. During this 30 minutes call, we will first dive into your goals. I will get to know you, you, your lifestyle, and you will get a clear direction and know exactly what to do next to progress your training and maybe improve your eating habits. I started this as a personal challenge for my 30th birthday and I fell in love with it. I really loved connecting with people and helping them solve their issues and problems during these strategic calls, so naturally, I continue doing so. Mind you, this is not a sales call, but you must be ready to invest your energy and time to get the benefit. So check the show notes, sign up for the call, and I will be looking forward to hear from you.